Well, for most of us, the first of the year, of any year, January 1st, is a new beginning. Right? Right? And I got a couple people saying right. And I know why you're saying right. Yeah, this is a good audience. You're playing along, along with me. Because I know where most of you all are now that it's getting into the second week of January. On January 1st, if I would have asked you that question, you'd have said, yeah, I'm ready to go. It's January 1st. I have a new vision for my life. I'm getting, it's, it's a time of resetting. It's a time of achieving. It's a time of blessing. I've got a New Year's resolution. I finally got a word of the year. I'm, I'm going to go gangbusters. I'm going all out. It's going to be great. And that problem is now it's January 8th. And that's all a thing of the past. And you're sitting here, there's somebody sitting here thinking, oh, yeah, that's right. I was supposed to get a word of the year, and I forgot to get my word of the year. I forgot to figure out, I can't even remember what my New Year's resolution was. I know I failed, but, but I forgot. And now we're all here thinking, oh, my gosh, I guess I'll just wait till 2024. But if, so if you're sitting there still trying to figure out what your word of the year is, it's okay. It's okay. You are now part of a not very exclusive club that we're all in the same boat. My daughter, I think this was the story. My daughter had asked her husband, my son-in-law, that sounds weird, doesn't it? My son, hey, Danny, what's your, uh, what's your New Year's resolution? And I think of the response, I'm like, I'm not really into New Year's resolutions. Because I'm not really into over-promising and under-delivering. That's pretty good. Pretty good. But right, there's a lot of our New Year's resolutions are exactly that. It's a lot of over-promising and under-delivering. Especially now it's been an entire eight days. How can anybody possibly do that for eight days? But it's okay. It's okay. And again, I, I'm saying this tongue-in-cheek. I think New Year's resolutions are great. I think words of the year are great. They, they really are. But now I'm going to combine the people who have a word of the year and combine the rest of us that don't have anything and we forgot. And we're all at the same point. Right now, we're all at the same point. So even if you have a New Year's resolution that you're sticking to, even if you have a word of the year that you have and you're going gangbusters on, or even if you don't, we're all at the same point. Whereas if you, even if you have a great plan for 2023, it is only going to be as good as you are today. It's only going to be as good as you are today. The Bible has a lot to say about, let's face it, everything. And I'm going to share some scriptures in a little bit where the Bible has a lot to say about why today is important. We have to be the masters of today. I, I don't want to be the type of guy that's going around telling everybody what God is going to do in me and through me in 2023. I need to be going around telling people, what is God doing in and through me today? 
And the title of this, this month is Take Your Place. And the title of my message today is, It is Time to Take Your Place. It's time to take our place in Christ, in our world, in our families, in our occupation, in our relationships, in whatever it is. But it is largely going to be determined by the choices that we make each and every day. Can I follow God? Not in 2023. Can I follow God today? Can I hear his voice today? Can I take action on what he's telling me to do today? Can I live out this Christian life with strength and boldness and a confidence today? Pastor Guy referred to this. Am I going to trust him today? At some point, hey, no matter what your view of spirituality is, no matter what denomination you are, no matter what church you go to, you can take growth tracks every day for the rest of the year. But at some point, you are going to have to decide whether you trust this book or not. Am I going to trust this book today for whatever I'm facing? Or am I going to trust these worldly things that might seem like a good idea? Am I going to live the way God wants me to live today? And many times in life, we make life either as simple as we want to or as complicated as we want to. So point number one is today is the day. Today is the day. And if you have a Bible here this morning, our first scripture is going to be in Nahum, or Nahum, I'm not even sure how you pronounce it. I don't know, most of you are thinking, my gosh, it's the first Sunday of the year, and the very first, very first scripture, the pastor picks a book that's not even in the Bible. It's in the Bible. It's in the Bible. Nahum 1 and 7. Very simply, it states, the Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble, and he knows those who trust in him. A stronghold in the day of trouble. The Bible is filled with scriptures about today. The Lord has to be our stronghold today. We can't be so focused on, man, what is God going to do for me whenever I get there? Well, you need to be the master of here, where you are right now, for God to get you anywhere. Matthew 6, 19. And this is one of the, again, no matter, this is the Lord's prayer. And no matter what denomination you may have been in or come from, you've probably heard the Lord's Prayer. Matthew 6, starting in verse 9. In this manner, therefore pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And here's verse 11. Verse 11. Give us 
this day our daily bread. Give us this day our daily bread. We need to be living on the bread that God gives us daily. Daily. In some sense, the way I think about this, this is the ultimate definition of trusting this book. Can I trust what he has in store for me today? Can I trust what he is going to give me today? Can I trust his voice in leading me today? This is the Lord's Prayer. Daily bread. I need to be in a position where I'm saying, Lord, I don't know what today is going to amount to, but I do know that I am going to trust in your word. I'm going to trust in your voice. The Bible has a lot to say about walking with him daily. Hey, walking with him daily, if you're concerned about your New Year's resolution, walking with him daily is a springboard for you to be able to achieve that New Year's resolution or to stay with it or to stay with that word of the year. We have to trust in him. We have to seek him. Matthew 6.33. Matthew 6.33. Seek first the kingdom of God and all and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. You've prob- Many of us here have heard that verse before. But what then does verse 34 says? Verse 34 says, that, Therefore, therefore, because you're seeking him, because you're abiding in him, because you're trusting in him, therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient is the day and its own trouble. I need to trust in this book for today. I need to trust in his voice today. The Bible clearly states, don't worry about tomorrow. And I know as soon as I say that, most of you are out there thinking, I got to go to work tomorrow. And I got to be with that guy or girl that I don't like, and my boss is mean to me, and this, and I'm going to have to get the kids up early, and I got all this stuff going on. Don't worry about it. Don't take my word for it, take his. He will give you daily bread tomorrow because it'll be today when you get there. Then you can take care of business in that day. Hey, I will tell you this. One of the greatest things, just in my opinion, one of the greatest things about Christianity and following Christ, for me, and maybe this is a personality, the way I see the world, for me is that I don't have to come up with anything new. I don't have to come up with any ideas. I don't have to come up with any, you know, grand plans. I don't have to worry about, you know, any, any tricks to read the Bible or to study, study scripture. I don't have to come up with anything new. You know, nowadays you hear about, and there's nothing wrong with this in the world, you hear about all these people who are visionaries. And in the business world, they're entrepreneurs. And they come up with all these new fascinating things, a new way to do this, more efficient to do that. In the business world, that's fine. In my opinion, in your spiritual world, that is a recipe for disaster. A recipe for disaster. You don't need to come up with anything new. All you literally have to do is follow directions. Follow 
directions. You will never be in a situation where you say, man, how am I going to deal with this? It's in the book. Man, fear is tormenting my mind. How can I not do this? It's in the book. Man, how in the world is my marriage going to survive? How can I set up my marriage? It's in the book. I can give you, I mean, we can stay here all day long and give you examples. And it's in the book. This is a living, this is living, breathing word of God. If you have a question or an issue that the answer is, isn't in this book, guess what? There, there, there's a problem with the book. And I'm here to tell you, and millions of other people can tell you, and I have a couple thousand years of backup that says this book works. This book works for me. This book works for you. This book works for any situation you've ever been in. And I know it sounds so simple. Now, in reality, it's not simple because you have to make a daily decision to do this. But here's what I'll tell you. You might be thinking, well, I can't do that. You even told me. It's January 8th, and I couldn't keep up with anything for eight days. But here's what I'll tell you. You may think it's hard. And it may start out being hard just like anything else. But once you trust in him and take a couple steps toward him and you make a couple decisions toward him, towards him, it gets easier. It gets easier and easier and easier. And then you get to the point and you say, wow, this actually works. You say, wow, there is a God in heaven that cares about me and loves me and goes before me. Because now that I've taken a couple steps towards him, I can see him working. I can see situations disappearing. I can see my mind is now thinking thoughts of freedom or calmness. Or peace versus torment. There are no new ideas when it comes to getting closer to God. The scripture is the scripture. We just have to be active participants. If there was something missing in this book, they would come out with an addendum. Right? If I came up with some new great awesome idea to get closer to closer to Christ, there would be the book of Mike Lemp in this Bible. There's never going to be the book of Mike Lemp in this Bible. Right? As a matter of fact, th this is what you trust. You trust this book. You don't trust me. Even I have to admit it, even as you're speaking as I'm speaking right now, there has to be a part of you that doesn't believe what I'm saying in this context. You need to open up your Bible or unlock your phone, whatever you want to do. And you need to read that scripture for yourself and say, what do I believe? What am I trusting in? 
am I trusting in? And you say, well, boy, that's risky. If you're, if you're in a position where you want to take your next step in Christ and, and things aren't working out for you maybe, or better, better, it's better said this way, that you're sitting here thinking there has to be something more. There has to be something more. To try something else, because if you're saying that, what's, in some sense, what you're doing isn't working. To try another way isn't a risk. So this isn't, a, this isn't about taking a risk. This is about activating your faith. It's about activating your faith in a way that, can I live a life trusting that this book is for me? That this book has words of power, have words of life. Hey, listen, this is the greatest love story. I don't read love books other than this one, but this is the greatest love story ever written. Ever written. That includes Hallmark movies, all right? <laughs> and it was written for each and every one of us. It is time to take our place. It is time to take our place. And if, again, if you're out there thinking, man, there has to be something more to this life, you're right. There is. We're always in a season of getting closer to Christ. And we're going to fail, right? Again, silly little example, New, Year, you know, New Year's resolution. It's January 4th, we're Hey, we're going to fail all the time. But sometimes in life, we take that failure as like defeat and death, and we can never come back from it. Like a silly little example, let's say you have a flashlight, right, and the light's bright. Brand new flashlight, the light is bright. It's shining, it's shining, it's shining. And then after time, after you have that flashlight on, what happens? The light gets a little weak. It's not as bright as it once was. And then maybe it starts to flicker. Maybe sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't work. And then all of a sudden, the light's going to go out. And your flashlight doesn't work anymore. So what do you do? You go to the garbage can, you throw the flashlight away, and you go buy a new one. No, that's not what you do. That's not what you do. You put new batteries in it. You recharge it. And then that battery that once didn't work, or the flashlight that once didn't work, it works at 100%. But what do we do with our lives? With our lives, we say, oh, you know what? I screwed that up. I missed church last Sunday. I didn't read my Bible today. I'm no good. And then we throw the whole thing away. And we say, ah, I knew this wasn't working for me. No, you just need to be recharged. Hey, we can be charged by the greatest power source there's ever been. But we, we tend to dismiss everything. And I'm going to assume right now 
that everybody here is so with me and so captivated by what we're talking about this morning and is so wound up about taking our, our place in Christ that everybody after is going to go out and we're going to start taking our place in Christ and we're going to read our Bible and start Bible studies and all this stuff. I'm going I'm to assume we're all going to do that. And they know what's going to happen by about 3.30, 3 o'clock by the time we eat lunch. We're all going to screw it up. We're all going to screw it up. So are you going to stop? No. I know that's going to happen. Hey, we're human. We're human. You can take it to the bank. You can say, in a spiritual sense, you can say, I just delivered you your first prophetic word. You're not going to measure up. Now, don't go home and say, I went to church and the pastor, like, Gave me this, you know, defeating prophetic word. It was a joke, and I was just speaking the truth. Because it's going to happen. When things go bad, our trust has to stay the same. And the book of Ephesians is a great book that outlines, I believe, what I'm talking about when we're talking about taking our place. Because what it tells us in Ephesians is that Christ was raised above the enemy and his tactics. And that we are made to sit together with Christ. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened. That you may know, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of his glory, of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. God's power is given to those people who hear him, believe him, obey him, and trust him. That's a way to live. Ephesians 2.4 But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised us up together, and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Ephesians 6, starting in verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of the wickedness in the heavenly places. But verse 10 is the key. When we talk about putting on the whole armor of God, and we read that about wars and spiritual wars and principalities, and don't get me wrong, all those things are going on. I'm not dismissing that, but many times in life, we read a scripture like that, 
or we get a situation where we say, oh my gosh, this is a, man, this is a battle that I'm not going to be able to win. This is a war. Man, this is going to take some sweat equity. This is going to be dirty and disgusting, and I'm going to be wrestling with this issue for years. We're looking at the problem many times and making it more complicated than maybe than focusing on the answer. Because here's what, before Paul gets to that, and again, I'm saying those, that, that is real stuff going on. But before Paul discusses that, look at what he says in verse 10. In verse 10, he leads into that by verse 10 where he says, Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. No matter what battle we're facing, small, medium-sized, super-sized, doesn't matter. The answer resides in the being strong in the Lord and the power and his might. The victory has already been won. The victory doesn't reside in looking at the problem. The victory resides in being strong in the Lord and in abiding in Him and trusting in Him, no matter what our situation is. And that's a daily opportunity that we have the ability to partake in. That's where growth occurs. That's where taking our place happens. That's when we start to become a game changer for Christ, a game changer for the people around us, a game changer for our family. Point number two. And at LCX, we have these four, the four E's that we go by, expand, experience, exchange, and extend. And point number two and three are going to be two of these words. Point number two is going to be expand. And as Christians, we expand meaning growth and development. And as Christians, we are always expanding. We are always growing. We are always developing. As a Christian, there will never be a moment where you have spiritually made it. It'll never happen. We are always growing. We are always trusting. And in the book of John, there's what I believe is, is the best set of scriptures that can capture this, where it talks about that Jesus is the true vine. Because the only way to grow is to abide and rest in him. The only way to grow is to trust in him. You might have a great new idea. And it might work for a while. For a while. You might have an innovative approach to whatever you want. And it might work for a while. Abiding in Him, resting in Him, trusting in Him will work forever. There's a big difference between trusting in him, abiding in him, and whatever else you, you want to try. John 15, starting in verse 1. I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. 
and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Now, there are times in our lives when we think that maybe God is doing something against us somehow, or God doesn't love us, or God isn't there. I'm doing all the things right, and things aren't just working out. Well, it's probably more that God is actually right in the middle of what you're doing or what you're praying about or what, you move, what you're moving toward, but he's probably in the process of pruning a few things to make you even stronger. Verse 4. I'm sorry, verse 3. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who humbles in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered and they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. Jesus is very, very, the word's very clear here. There's two types. There's two types of fruit, of um, branches, sorry. There's two types of branches. There's fruitful branches, and there's barren branches. The fruitful branches are connected to the vine. The barren branches are not. And as people, and I, and I hate to break it down as simple as this, but sometimes there, there, there's, there's two types of people or two types of Christians that we can be, that we choose on a daily basis. I can be a Christian that's connected to the vine. I can be a Christian that's connected to these promises. I can be a Christian that trusts in this word. Or I can be a Christian that's disconnected from the vine. And one of my, I don't know, one of my, I don't know what you'd say it, like, uh, I have huge amounts of empathy, I guess, for people that they, they think they're doing all the right things. And when I say that, meaning like just coming to church on Sunday. Coming to church on Sunday is a great thing, and you need to do it. It's not necessarily what, John is, what, what the book of John is talking about here. You can sit in a church service every single Sunday for the rest of your life and not be connected to the vine. You can come every single Sunday and not be connected to the vine. And there's lots of people that are like that. But if you're one of them, here's all I would encourage with you. There's a ton of things that you are missing out of. You're headed in the right direction. But let 2023 be a year 
that, hey, I'm starting to do these things right, but I am going to take my place this year. I'm going to take my place in Christ. If you're sitting there thinking this morning, man, there has got to be something more to this life. There is. Matter of fact, there is for all of us. You could be connected to the divine right, to the vine right now, and you think God's just going to stop now? No. No. God's best is always yet to come. I don't care what you've accomplished or what you've done in the past. God's best is always in front of you when you're connected to him, when you're abiding to him, when you're trusting in him. Remember, it's about daily bread. About daily fruitful bread. He's not serving up stale bread. You're not going to have an issue that you're going to try to deal with a month from now, and God's going to give you some advice that worked three months ago. He's going to give you advice or a thought or an action that works right then for today. It's daily. It's specific. The bread that he provides me on a daily basis is not the bread he provides you. And the bread he provides you is not the bread that he provides me. It's specific. He knows what I need. I don't need what you need. You don't need what I need. Heck, I don't even know what I need. That's why I'm reliant on daily bread. That wasn't supposed to be funny. (laughs) We are reliant on daily bread. Hey, in some aspects, we need to live a life where, hey, we are so concentrated on today, I don't even know what happened tomorrow. And some are using excuse, yeah, that's why I don't know what my word of the year was. Well, take that, good. We need to be so passionate about what, what God is doing in us right now that sometimes the thing of the past don't even matter. They only, they only should matter where you can look back and say, remember when I was in that deep pit of despair years ago, what happened? God came through. So if he came through back then, if he came through back there, if he came through in that situation, in that moment, in that circumstance, guess what's going to happen next, Einstein? He's going to come through again, again, right? Jesus is the source of all growth, and all means all, any situation. You can look up the Greek, the Hebrew, the whatever meaning of all, and it's all, all. He is the source of all life. We are always growing. And it doesn't have to be this big thing of growth where I'm going to go, you know, move to Bolivia and start building churches or something. No, it's small steps. Hey, I came to church this Sunday. I'm going to come next Sunday. I'm going to send that keyword for the growth tracks. I'm maybe even going to serve. I'm going to volunteer. I'm going to join a life group. I'm going to go see if my neighbor needs some help. I'm going to go do whatever. I'm going to take some steps in the right direction. Amen? Number three. Number three, extend. Or in layman's terms, serve. Serve. You've probably heard us say this before. It's a very simple statement. The great ones serve. The Bible is filled with examples. The great ones serve. 
You may not know this or not, but you are called to serve and not to be served. If you're in any situation that you want to improve, just serve. You don't know what to do, just serve. You're confused, just serve. You don't know how you, you know, you're having a bad day, just serve. Your mind is filled with torment, just serve. Serve somebody else. Serve somebody else. When in doubt, serve. Serve. In the book of Mark, when the apostles were arguing who is the greatest of all, who's the best, right? Everybody wants to be the best, right? Right? Hey, I want to be the best, right? There's nothing wrong with a little confidence, right? But when the disciples were arguing, Mark, who should be the best, right? Jesus isn't going to answer that question, is he? He's not concerned who the best is. He is concerned. How does he answer that question? Mark 9, 35. Mark 9, 35. And he sat down, called the twelve, and said to them, If anyone desires to be first, he shall be last of all and servant of all. If you go back to verse 34, the dispute amongst themselves would who would be the greatest. If Jesus wanted to, to kibosh or hold down trying to be the greatest, he would have done it right there. He would have done it right there. But he doesn't. He says, I'll tell you exactly. I'll tell you exactly how to be the greatest. Serve all. Serve all. Serve to 100% of your ability and serve trusting God. We are serving to an audience of one. I'll give you the best example of serving that I can give you that I think we get wrong as a society. If you look at marriage, and how many times you, have, you see somebody talk about their marriage, yeah, man, our marriage is great. Our marriage is 50-50. You've heard that before, right? Marriage is not 50-50. Marriage is not 50-50. Marriage is a hundred percent, a hundred percent. It's probably why the state of marriage is where it is today, because there's too many marriages going and saying, hey, it's 50-50. And you know what in reality that means? If you're going into your marriage saying it's 50-50, you're right. You, you got a 50% chance of being married, and you've got a 50% chance of being divorced. And you can probably Google that and probably... The statistics are going to be real close to that. My marriage, our marriage, is based on 100% of me and 100% of her. I use that as an example. Now, I'm off of marriage under serving. All of serving, the same way. The same way. Hey, the church exists on people serving. The church exists on people volunteering. It could be live church Life Church X here in Waterloo, Life Church X in Jerseyville. It could be any church in the world. Exists by getting people to come volunteer and serve. Here's what I will tell you about that, and I am living proof of it because we've served in the church for years. I am living proof that you serving, as important as it is to the church, you serve, you will get way more, way more out of serving then the church actually will. Why? Because that's the way God designed it. 
That's the way God designed it. You'll never come across one of these ideas or, or, or whatever and say, holy cow, I had no idea it would work out that way. Well, you should have because that's exactly what it says in the Bible. Even the example of serving, right? If you want to be the greatest, serve. Many times there aren't as many surprises in life than we think, right? Many times we say, man, I can't believe that happened. I can't believe I made that mistake. I can't believe this was the result. Well, not sure what to tell you. You should have. It's in the book, right? I, I mean, since everybody's real quiet in here right now, I might, well, might, might as well touch another subject like and you, and you, of your personal finances. There, there's, many, there's many people that might be struggling in their personal finances. And I, I would just, don't get mad at me because it's in the book. Yeah, my first question would be, well, well, are you tithing? Well, that might be why your finances are in the state that they're in. And that's not, that's not any idea that Pastor Mike just came up with. It's in the book. Sometimes we read, you know, things happen, we get mad at all other people, or you get mad at the pastor because he said this or that. Hey, don't get mad at me. I didn't, I didn't come up with it. Remember, I'm not coming up with anything new. It's what I like about Christianity. I don't have to do anything. All I have to do is follow directions. That over went, went over like a lead balloon. <laughs> oh, boy. Come on. Hang on with me a few more minutes. Joshua 24, and I promise this one's really good because I didn't come up with it. I'm just reading scripture. <laughs> Joshua 24, verse 14. Now, therefore, fear the Lord. Serve him in sincerity and truth and put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the river and in Egypt. Serve the Lord. And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in, those in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Now, most of us have probably said that. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. But it's interesting in that scripture, you know what Joshua was doing? Joshua actually gave those people a choice, didn't he? Now, it might have been tongue-in-cheek, but he gave them a choice. Hey, you guys, you can live however you want to live. You can serve the gods over here, the gods over there, the gods over there, or you can serve the one true God. He gave them a choice. And it's the same choice that we have to make every day. Pastor Guy mentioned it this morning. I've mentioned it. It's about trust. Where am I going to trust? Am I going to trust all that stuff over there? The gods of my finances, the gods of my career, the gods of my relationship, the gods of my house, the gods of my car, the gods of whatever it is, or the true God that provides daily bread for me all the time, all the time. 
And I will admit, this stuff over here, man, it looks really nice. It looks really cool. It looks really exciting. And as a matter of fact, it looks like it works for a while. This always works. This always works when we abide in him, when we trust in him. And we will all come to a point, prayerfully, we'll all come to a point where we will leave all that stuff over there and we'll come over here. And we may not even totally trust it at first, but we'll be smart enough to, to realize, you know what, all that stuff over there, it's not really working for me. I need something more. There has to be something more to this life. I'll give you a, a present day example, in my opinion, of this, this playing out. Because sooner or later, sooner or later in somebody's life, it always has to come back to this book. Because this is the truth. If you look at, everybody, anybody watch football besides me? Right? Lots of hands. Now, I've, I've, every, now everybody's excited. We're going to talk about football. We're not really going to talk about football. But I'm going to give you a, a, a present day example of people now looking in, in a terrible situation, looking away from here and over to this book. I don't know if you've, you know, most of you have seen in the news, even if you're not a football fan, you've probably heard, heard of the young man that plays for the Buffalo Bills and last week, whenever the game was, he made a tackle, got right back up, fell back down. He was in cardiac arrest. They had to provide CPR, you know, and then escort him out. They actually canceled the football game. And there's prayers all, you know, prayers all around. I mean, there, there was an ESPN. I think there's been numerous people, ES, networks, that they're, they're praying on TV. So here's my point. Sooner or later, sooner or later, it's going to come back to this book. And those people, those people, and it may be because you think it's now your only option. That's okay. I watch, I turn on the game uh, yesterday or last night or whatever, and this is, a, this is a National Football League game. Network television. Before they start the game, both teams, every player on the center of the field, Probably 50,000 people in the stands. They're delaying the game so they can pray. It's covered on national TV. Have you ever seen that happen in any other sporting event to that magnitude? No. No. Because you have this group of people. You have this corporate entity. You have these, all these people that probably, well, to keep with the theme, probably on January 1st would have said, we will, I don't care what's going to happen. We would never do this in a million years. A week later, all these people, because of traumatic experience, however they got there, they're praying 
to the God of heaven. And, and even if it was, right? Man, this is our only option at this point. You know what trusting actually is? It, it's your only option. It's your only option. And it seems like that guy's going to make a remarkable recovery. Line. I, hope, I, it's, I hope he continues to do so. But, you know, if, if that, that young man would have passed away, it, was, it would probably have been one of the worst things that had ever happened on the, in any field of, of athletics, right? Well, what's going to happen now with that same situation? That same situation that the entire world said, man, I've never seen anything like that. Guy playing a game that's so important. Made it happen, get up, and he died on the field. Now suddenly the narrative's changed. Didn't change for God. He knew exactly what was going on. Now he has, there's this opportunity out there for people. I don't know how many players, or maybe there's 100 guys praying. Probably, you know, there are certain percentages that had probably never been on their, on their knees to say a prayer in life. They, at that point, may not even know who they're praying to. They may never know, may, at that point, they may never even have heard this Jesus in person. It doesn't matter. And I say that because I have no idea what your situation is. I have no idea what your situation will be tomorrow. But I do know. I do know how we are all going to get through that situation. And it's trusting in this. It's trusting in this. Pastor Guy, you can come up. And I would just say to you this morning, we can all stand. That for 2023, I, I would ask you to prayerfully consider to prayerfully consider that 2023 is the year that you are going to start to take your place. That today is the day that you're going to start to take your place in Christ, in your family, in this world. And the same God same God as we're going to see, the same God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the same God that we serve. He worked in their lives. He's going to work in our lives. It's the same God, the same power is available to each and every one of us. It is our daily bread. Amen. Let's worship him.